To human hearts belong the plans of the heart. To humans, sorry, belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is the word of the Lord. Megan, thanks, Ross. Good evening, church. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Next Sunday, we're starting a new sermon series on Matthew's Gospel, starting where we left off last year in chapter 13. That would take us right up to Christmas. Uh, Tonight, you've got a one-off sermon. Uh, If you've been part of the British Church this year, during our holiday times, we're looking at all the Proverbs, different themes in the book of Proverbs. We call it the good life. And so we've looked at what the Proverbs teach us about wealth, about work, about our words, and tonight our topic is, is wisdom. How do you make good, godly decisions? How do you make good choices in life? Uh, if you come into the Dale house or to our household, we've got scripture verses all around the house because we believe that as the word of God is over our home, we're actually sitting under that truth. And in our kitchen, we've got this verse. We just had it read, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not, not some of your heart, but all of your heart. Rely on God with everything you've got. And lean not on your own understanding because you don't know everything. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him or put him first. And he will make your path straight. Not, not easy, not comfortable, but he'll make your path straight, Right the good path to walk down. Uh, The Amplified Version translated like this, it says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and your mind. Don't rely on your own insight and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge God is God. And then God will direct and make straight and plain all your paths. Or the message version says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Stop trying to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. God's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Such an important verse for decision making. As you go through life, your daily life, You make choices, you make decisions. And we're supposed to trust in, to lean on, to depend on, to rely on God, not on ourselves, because we don't know it all. We're not always right. And when your plans don't work, when you face a situation or a circumstance that you didn't expect or don't like, 
What do you do at that moment in time? You, you trust in the Lord. You depend on God. You go to God. You run to God. You don't go to yourself. I hope you know that life is full of choices. Every single day, you make choices. Apparently, we make 35,000 choices every day. Can you believe that? The average human makes 35,000 choices every day. Now, now, now most are, are trivial. They're mundane. Like, do you press snooze once, twice, or three times? Or do you go to the gym or not? Do you walk to work, or do you drive to work? Or do you have muesli? Do you have toast? Do you, will I shave today, or will I not shave today? Or what shall I wear today? And all, all those trivial choices that you just sort of do second nature. But occasionally, just occasionally, you make big choices. You make big decisions. Like... Should I change jobs? Is it time for a career change? Should I retrain and do something completely different? Should I retire? Uh, should I date this person? Is this the right person for me to propose to, to get married to? Should I keep renting or sh should I buy a house? And if I should buy a house, where should I buy a house? Which suburb should I buy in? Should I go overseas for a year? Or should I change church? Is that right for me? They're the big four, the big four decisions that you make in life. They're, they're relationship decisions. They're housing or life decisions. They're work or career decisions. And they are church decisions. And the question tonight is, how do you make good choices? How do you make good godly decisions? And it's kind of ironic that I'm preaching this sermon because I'm one of the most indecisive people you've ever met. I really struggle with decision-making because I get kind of decision paralysis. There are so many possible options out there, and which one is the right option or the best option? And, you know, like with my boys and their, and their schooling, you know, should we go private with the clergy discount or should we go public or should we go Christian schooling or should we go co-ed, should we go single sex, what are their personalities? How do you make that choice? Uh, when I occasionally get offered another job, another ministry position, I think, what should I do here, God? Are, are you asking me to leave Kubali? Is this an open door somewhere else? What about the flock here? And, and I'm paralyzed, like, should I stay or should I go? I'm not planning on going, by the way. Um, Maybe you're sad about that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's not just the big decisions. Like, about eight years ago, for the first time in our lives, we're buying a new car. And I get this spreadsheet. Not on the make of car, but on the color of the car. And I'm deciding between black and charcoal gray. <laughs> and Rachel's saying, come on, does it really matter? And it, I love the iconic because you can order 10 items and you can do a fashion parade in your lounge room and just keep one and send nine back. Or, or movies. Do not choose a movie with Paul Dale. Because I will spend half an hour flicking through Netflix and Amazon and iView and SBS and should I do a movie, should I do a TV show? I am useless at making decisions. But when it comes to big decisions... When it comes to important decisions, I'm not talking trivial, I'm talking matters of righteousness. 
I'm talking matters of wisdom and judgment that would honor God. What does the Bible say about that? Well, our verse says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That, that word trust, it means literally to, to lean on, to lean your entire weight on. Because in life, you've got a choice to make. You, you can lean on yourself all the time, or you can do what most of us do. We have one foot on ourselves and our own understanding and, and one foot on God and His understanding, but that's not leaning all your weight on God. And the verse says, lean all your weight on God. Now, now why do you trust Him? Because He is trustworthy. He always does what is right and best. You, you can trust in Him because you know He loves you and He wants the best for you. You can trust in Him because you know He knows everything and you don't know everything. You can trust in Him because you know He's good. But the verse says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word for heart is actually the word mind. With all your thinking. Get your thinking right about making a good choice. So how do we do that? That's our question tonight. Here's the first principle. What what does the Bible say? What does God say about this choice, this decision? Not rocket science. Turn to God's word first. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. That's the promise. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Proverbs is saying that God is the source of all wisdom and all knowledge. So this The Bible, the Scriptures, is the ultimate source for your decision-making. What does God say? What does the Word of God say about this choice? On our wedding invitations, on our wedding order of service, uh, Rachel and I had the, the, the Bible verse, Psalm 119, verse 105. We love this verse. It's in our hallway. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, your, your breathed-out word is a lamp to my feet. It gives me direction. It, it shows me the way to go and a light to my path. But why we love that verse is, is the word for lamp or the word for light. It, it's not, not a flood lamp. It's not promising that the Scriptures are going to show you the next 10 years of your life so you can walk down this path. The word for lamp in Psalm 119 is literally the word, the tea-like candle that you can hold in the palm of your hand, and it gives you just enough light to take the next step in life and the next choice in life and the next choice in life and the next choice in life. is that constant dependent on the Word of God day after day after day just to make the next best decision, the next best choice that God would want you to make. And so, church, we need to know the Scriptures. We need to know the Word of God so that you're putting yourself under what God wants for your life, not what other people tell you should be doing. How are you going to make a good choice if you don't know the Word of God? Now, don't mishear me. The Bible does not tell you exactly what to do in minute detail, but it does give you boundaries and guidelines and principles to inform your decision-making. Now, with some choices in life, there is a blatant right and wrong. There is a command to obey. Sometimes the Word of God says, do not do this and do do this, and you've got to make that choice, will I obey or not obey? But often in life, there's just wisdom issues that the Bible gives you principles. Now, take, take where should I live? 
The Bible is not going to say, Paul Dale, you should buy a house in McMahon's Point. It won't tell me that. But it will give me principles like, Paul, if you choose to buy in this particular climate, can you afford that? What's your wealth situation? What's your debt levels? And if you buy, will you still be able to be hospitable and generous and give to other people? And are you choosing a place to live so you can do ministry there? And, and are you going to have to be near a church and near your friendship networks and your friendship communities? They're the principle the Bible gives you. Who should, who should I marry? The Bible did not say to me, Paul Dale, marry a woman called Rachel. But it does give me principles like, is she a believer? Is she a Christian? Is she godly? Are you good together? Can you serve together? Will you honor God together? And can you lay down your life and love her like Christ loved the church? Which church should I join if you move churches? There are principles like, does this church teach the truth and the whole truth? Can you respect the leadership and submit to the leadership of that church? Is that church all about Jesus? Philippians 4 says this, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. Fill your mind with good truths from the Word of God, and the more you soak yourself in the Scriptures, the more you'll make good, godly decisions. Principle number two, have I inquired of the Lord? Have I inquired of the Lord? Have I prayed about this? Have I waited on the Lord? Have I sought God's wisdom? Have I heard God's voice? James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Talk to God. Pray. Because God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So what the Bible says is, before you ask anybody else what they think, or before you make any decision yourself, Make sure you spend time on your knees with your God, talking to him, inquiring of him, listening to his leading, his directing, his guidance, his voice. And I'm not talking about a, a simple arrow prayer where you're asking God to, to rubber stamp your plans that you've already made in your own mind. I'm asking you to wait on the Lord, to inquire of him, to Give yourself that solitude and that silence where you're actually listening to the voice of God. In 1 Samuel 2023, at this point in, in, in David's life, King David, he's already been anointed king. And he's already defeated Goliath. And he's already proven himself to be this incredible godly leader. And in 1 Samuel 23, verse 1, it says this, When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, yes, go and attack the Philistines. And I love that. It's so refreshing because most Christians I meet make their choices, make their plans. This is how we're going to do youth group. This is how we're going to run church. This is our sermon series. This is my work decision. This is who I'm going to date. And you make the choice. And then you might just suddenly remember to shoot up a quick prayer saying, dear God, please bless this. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about spending time waiting on God, inquiring of God. 
Lord, show me what you want me to do. God, should I at this moment in my life attack the Philistines? Lord, I know that you asked me to do that before, but are you asking me to do it again today? So let me ask you, do you create space and time in your, in your life just to spend time with God, not just filling your mind with the Scriptures, but hearing His voice through prayer? Do you give yourself your space to say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Lord, there's this person at church, and I'm spending more and more time with them, and they're good, and they're godly, and I'm attracted to them. Do, do you want us to date? Or you just rush straight into asking the first person out? Or when that job offer comes, do you actually bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, do you want me to leave my workplace? And, and what about this new job? Lord, is this of you? Because the money's good, but what would the lifestyle be like? Lord, is this a new door that you are opening? And when you're looking to, to move house, do you actually spend time waiting on the Lord and say, Lord, which suburb should I live in? Lord, are you asking me to, to, to leave my church family that I love by buying a house that I can't afford in this suburb further away? Do you actually make time to actually inquire of the Lord? I, I do think this is the, the missing piece in the puzzle of our, of our decision-making. Because most Christians I talk to, they're good at making a decision and just asking God to bless it. How do you know it's of the Lord? Philippians 4, verse 6, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise, the peace of God. That inner peace which, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That, that's what happens when you inquire of the Lord. You, you get this peace of the Lord. Not, not the peace with God, the peace of God, this inner peace. This, this, this inner confidence, this inner satisfaction, this inner certainty that this is of God. This is God's will. So, so when I'm making a big decision in life, here's what I do. I, I inquire of the Lord, and I make a decision. But I don't tell anyone the decision I've just made. And I just sleep on it for two or three days. And what normally happens is that if it's a bad decision that I've, I've made, I'll have sleepless nights, and I'll wake up at 2 a.m., and I'll still be stressing about everything. I'm like, oh, actually, that's not of God. And I make a decision, and, and it's the right decision, and, and suddenly I'm sleeping like a baby, and I wake up refreshed. Like, okay, I've got this inner peace about it. This is right. So we inquire of the Lord. Number three, in trusting the Lord, will this decision lead to greater godliness? Will this choice I'm about to make help me to be more like my Savior, to be more holy, to be more pure, and to be more godly? Proverbs 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. He's saying your integrity matters, your, in, your integrity before the Lord, your integrity before other people, your inner integrity, your, your godliness, your holiness, that's what, that's what matters. Because your decisions, your choices can't compromise your character. Your choices can't cause other people to sin. Your choices shouldn't lead you to sin. Proverbs 14, verse 22, don't those who plot evil go astray? 
but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. That, that's our pursuit in life, love, love of God and faithfulness to walk a blameless life. And so church, sometimes we make choices for the sake of our godliness that are hard choices and difficult decisions. So sometimes, yeah, we do say, I'm going to end this relationship. I'm not going to marry this person because they're not good for my godliness. That's a good choice. I say no to that job offer because I know that if I take that job, I know deep down I'll be forced to compromise, to lie, to be deceitful, and I know deep down that that new firm will suck the life out of me and I have no time for my family or my friends or my church. And so we say, no, that's a good choice. I choose not to buy a house. I choose to keep on renting because I know that if I buy a house, I will move to a suburb where I know nobody and start afresh with no church family to join. Here's a big one. I'll say no to my overseas experience because I've watched all my friends do the overseas experience and have a wonderful time, but they've come back really, really, really struggling in their faith. Proverbs 25, verse 26. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. We are surrounded by friends and a culture with loud voice shouting, just do this, go this way, make that choice. Everyone else is doing it. And the, the, the psalmist says, the proverb says rather, if you choose this way, you're like a polluted well. It will not be good for your soul. Jen Wilkins says this, if we want our lives to align with God's will, we'll need to ask a better question than, what should I do? God is always more concerned with the decision maker than he is with the decision itself. God is primarily in the character forming business, not the circumstance shaping business. God is more concerned with your character than actually the minute details of the decision that you're making. So it's not where should I go, but what kind of person should I be when I get there? And I've watched many, many people at this church make dumb decisions because it's compromised their character. It's compromised their godliness. So yeah, they took that massive job with the high pay, but they had no life and they had no friends and they had no faith. So trust in the Lord. How do you do that? Seek his wisdom through scripture, through prayer, through godliness. But our verse continues, lean not on your own understanding. I love the, the second half of this. Like he, He's not just saying, trust God. That's the positive, trust God. But the, the negative is, don't trust yourself. Mistrust yourself. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't just put your trust in your gut. The message says, stop trying to figure out everything on your own. Don't, don't make decisions based on your feelings or what you would like to happen or what everybody else is doing. Proverbs 3 verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Please don't think you can run your life and make good choices without any help from other people or from God's word. Principle number four, do I have all the facts? 
when you're about to make a decision, do you have all the information to make this choice? Proverbs 13, verse 16, all who are prudent act with knowledge. And I know that we mock knowledge, but knowledge is important. You've investigated, you've asked questions, you've gathered information before you've made your choice. Fools expose their folly. Proverbs 18, verse 13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. He's saying, shut up and listen up. Gather all the information you can, ask the questions, listen well, and make a choice based on the best possible facts and information. So so when you get this new job offer, ask as many questions as you can. Like, what will the hours really be? And how many weekends will I really have to be away? And will I have to work every Wednesday night so I can't go to Connect Group? And and why did the last person leave this job? And what's the, the team culture really like? Just because they offer you large dollar signs, don't just take the first job that comes your way. I've made many dumb, dumb decisions based on my feelings rather than the facts in front of me. Principle five, have I sought guidance from other people? This is a biggie. Have I sought the counsel of other people? Have I talked to people who I trust and people who know me well? And the Proverbs are packed with this. I'll just read through a few quickly. Proverbs 11, verse 14, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors, not a few, but many people who speak into your life. Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but but the wise listen to advice. They have ears to hear what other people say and think. Proverbs 13, verse 10, where there is a strife, there's pride, but but wisdom is found in those who take advice. They don't just listen to advice, but they take it. They make decisions based on it. Proverbs 15, verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. I hope you know that one of the greatest gifts God has given you is people. God places you in communities called family, friends, church, to speak into your life. People who know you, who know God, who know you well, who can give you wisdom on this choice. Please don't neglect that. It is utterly, utterly crazy when I hear of people at this church who make massive decisions about, you know, relocating to a new suburb, and they haven't even talked to their closest friends about it. And they start to date somebody, but they haven't actually talked to any of their friends about it. God places you in this community to to, to allow others to speak into your life. Uh, Even more crazy is when you've talked to people and people are saying again and again, "I, I don't think this is right. No, that is not good. I don't think you should do this, and you still do it anyway. That is ridiculous. We're here for each other, aren't we? Who should you talk to? Well, who should you not talk to is those who are wicked and deceitful. Proverbs 12, verse 5, the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Please please don't listen to people whose own lifestyle is foolish, is wicked, is deceitful. I'm not just talking about unbelievers. Of course, unbelievers can give you good advice, but there there are believers who have made dumb choices in life. So so why would you listen to them? Why would you take advice from someone who has consistently made bad choices? And don't listen to people who always agree with you. You need people in your life who will disagree and say hard things to you because they know you well. So seek wisdom from 
other Christians who are godly and wise and mature, who know the Scriptures, who know you, who know your situation and will be honest with you. So if I want parenting advice, parenting wisdom, what decisions to make for my children, I look to the parents in this church who have raised kids already and those kids are walking closely with the Lord or they've been good parenting. I say, I want to learn from you. For marital advice, I don't go to the people with, with bad marriages. I go to the people who have, who have weathered the storms of life and have come through with a strong marriage. For financial advice, I, I listen to the people who are generous, who are hospitable. I, I don't look at the people who are wealthy but worldly with their wealth. So God places you in this thing called a church. And he places people around you to speak into your life if you will let them. More quickly, number six, am I being forced to make a decision too quickly? There's a a repeated word in the Proverbs called the word haste. Hasty decisions. And they rarely end well. Proverbs 19, verse 2. Desire without knowledge is not good when you haven't actually found out the information. You long for something, but you haven't found out the facts. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? Proverbs 21, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. He's saying, don't feel pressured to make a quick decision, a quick choice. Some of my worst decisions have been when I I haven't waited on the Lord and I haven't sought other people's counsel. I've just made a quick decision, a quick choice, because it felt good to me, and it often ends badly. It's okay to say, I need more time. I'll get back to you, or just say no. Principle number seven, what motives are driving my decision? This is an uncomfortable one. What motives are really driving your choices? God knows. You can fool other people, but you can't fool God. Proverbs 16, verse 2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives were weighed by the Lord. So God knows the real reasons for all the choices that you make. God knows the real reason why you changed jobs or changed church or broke up with that person. God knows that. Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say I've kept my heart pure? None of us can. Our motives are always mixed, and we've all got blind spots. Number eight, I love this one. Have I considered my past experiences? Love this Proverbs. Proverbs 26, verse 11. It's so graphic. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. He's talking about the person who makes a bad choice and a bad decision. But they don't learn from it. They make the same mistake again and again and again. We've got a dog. His name is Boaz, and I tolerate him. Uh, we got him from a breeder in Bathurst, and we drove from Bathurst to Sydney when he was just a few weeks old, and he, he vomited 11 times between Bathurst and, and, and Sydney. But we were told that he's a puppy, and he'll grow out of it. He's now two, and he hasn't grown out of it. <laughs> so we've got a, a car-sick dog. And this is, this is gospel truth. We, we drive from Neutral Bay to Kirribilli, which is, what, five minutes? And he vomits between Kirby and Neutral Bay. But that's okay because as you come around Anderson Park, he's already vomited. And between Anderson Park and Kirby, he's eating up the vomit. 
And so he's cleaned up his own mess, so that's okay, isn't it? And isn't that disgusting? Isn't that disgusting that the dog vomits and then eats up his own vomit? It is disgusting. But that's what God is saying about people who make a bad choice and then go back for more. They return to their vomit. They make a bad decision and then they do the same thing again and again and again and they just never learn from it. And let's just name it 7 p.m. Dating. People make a bad choice as to who to date. And it causes hurt and pain and heartache. And as a pastor, I, I sit with people and I counsel them through a breakup. And they say, yeah, I should never have dated in the first place. The warning signs were always there. And then six months later, they start to date somebody else who's exactly the same as the person that broke their heart the first time. And again and again and again. Why don't we learn? Now, God wants to refine us, but, but it's not like these dogs who keep going back to our vomit. So we trust in the Lord through Scripture, through prayer, through godliness. We, we don't lean on our own understanding. We check our motives. We talk to people. We take our time. We learn from mistakes. But that's not how the verse ends, and we, we'll finish with this. In, in all your ways, submit to him. Acknowledge him. Let God be God. Acknowledge that God is God and you are not. Acknowledge that his will will be done. Acknowledge that you are a finite creature and he is infinite. Acknowledge that you are not all-knowing and your motives are not always pure. So submit to him. Do what he says even when you don't like it. And what's the promise? He'll make your paths straight. As I said before, he does not promise you he'll make your path easy. He doesn't promise you he'll make your path comfortable or pain-free. He promises to make your path straight, that is, that is right, and a good path to walk down. And so let's name it. Sometimes God makes us make a painful decision so that we walk down the right path. Sometimes he says, yes, you need to end that relationship because that's the right path. Yes, you need to say no to that job because that's the right path. Yes, you need to keep on renting and not buy because that's the right path. Don't assume that just because something is difficult, it's not the right godly choice because often the right godly choice is the most difficult choice to make and the most difficult path to walk down. But the, the comfort is this, Proverbs 16, verse 6, our last verse for tonight. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. And through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. What this verse is saying is that through Christ's love and through Christ's faithfulness, your sin is atoned for. So if you're sitting here tonight and you've made terrible choices, you've made bad choices, please don't live being defined by that. You're not defined by the bad choices you've made. You're defined by who you are in Christ. They were my, my kids made bad choices in life. Am I disappointed? Of course I'm disappointed, but I still love them. They're still my children. And so when you made a bad choice, please never doubt that God still loves you. Spurgeon says this, God is too good to be unkind, and God is too wise to be confused. And when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he promises to make your paths straight. Let me pray. Father, thank you for giving us the ability to choose. Thank you for all those big and small choices that you give us every day. We want to be people who acknowledge you, who submit to your will. And so please guide us, please direct us, please lead us to good, godly decisions. Father, for those who have made bad choices here tonight, thank you, Father, for your forgiveness, for your love, for your faithfulness. Thank you that we are your precious children, cared for and loved by you as our Father. And for those who are here tonight needing to make a a big choice, a big decision, Spirit of God, would you guide, direct, and lead them? And surround them with people to offer wise, good advice. Give us ears to hear and wills to obey. In Jesus' name.